0: Now how do we best express joy during this Advent and Christmas season? We're told in Scripture that when the Messiah comes, there will be singing. And I think most of us love the music of Christmas and there's no doubt about it. The season is really ushered in by joyful singing. But but not all of us are musical, right? But nonetheless, we're called to lift our joyful voices. You know, um, I, I read a story this week about a woman who was talking to her parents who were uh, nearing retirement. and in retirement, the father had a wish, and his wish was that he could uh, he could have a piano and that that in his retirement he'd learn to play the piano. He'd always wanted to play the piano. So uh, the daughter rep- reports that, uh, uh, that her mother his wife just bought him a piano and signed him up for piano lessons and so at retirement age uh, this gentleman started to play the piano and a few months later the daughter um, asked her mother well, well you know how's how how's dad's piano lessons going and she said oh we sold the piano you sold the piano she said well, what what you do that for and she said, well, we decided that, that, that he, he might best play the clarinet. She said, the clarinet? I've never heard Dad say a word about the clarinet. And she said, well, um, we, we thought the clarinet would be good because he wouldn't have to sing if he played the clarinet. <laughs> but we're not called to be great singers, are we? We're called to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And this is in keeping with what Isaiah is talking to um, uh, those um, exiles of old about the joy of the Lord. I'm reminded of a story that comes out of a a Roman Catholic church. In which a choir director had gone to a great deal of, 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 um, of time to prepare the soprano soloist who was an excellent soloist for the Sunday Mass. And as the soloist's beautiful voice soared, kind of like Brandon's did, throughout the sanctuary, a braggled street person came in and just wandered in and and, and took a seat right there close to the choir. And as the choir continued singing and this wonderful soloist began to sing, the the, the newcomer uh, began to sing along as well. And though she had seen her better days of singing, uh, her volume was still very good. Do you get the picture? And she was slightly off-key, off-key enough that everyone noticed. And, and the choir members were, were looking at the choir director, you know, like, uh, the book stops with you, fella, and what are you going to do about this? But the choir director did nothing. Re- related to stopping the intruder. And, and afterwards, um, uh, the, 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 the choir members, one at a time, confronted the choir director and asked why he didn't stop the woman from singing it. It really did kind of seem to mess up the whole uh, mass. And the choir director responded, I didn't stop her because I wasn't sure which song God would like best. Friday night, this room will be filled to overflowing with people from homeless shelters and from the streets. There'll be 175 people who spent, many of them, many years in in prison and who will gather here, as is their tradition. And this room will be filled with wonderful music. Not everyone who will be singing lustily will be singing on tune, I can assure you that. But it will be a joyous noise unto the Lord, as it always is. I remember um, in, in my little hometown growing up, um, we had a pastor who was there for about five years. I've talked about him often, Brother Byron. And, and, and Brother Byron was a bachelor. He was our pastor uh, for those years, more than most pastors stayed in my little hometown church, and he was our youth director, and he was our our, um, our 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 pastor. Our our trip to Tyler on a Saturday night, and and one tradition he had that he never broke was that every year close to Christmas, on a Sunday night, we'd get this wagon and we'd put hay on this wagon. And, 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 and the wagon would be pulled by a tractor. And all of the youth would pile on to that, uh, that hayride. And, and we would go to some of the shut-ins or homebound members. And when we'd pull up to the house, the, the youth would pile off of that hayride. And, and we'd, as quiet as we could, go to the porch of the house. And, and we'd gather around. And then we'd start singing, Joy to the world. The Lord is come. And we'd sing until the lights of the porch would come on. And then um, an older adult of the congregation would, would peer through the screen door or come right on out on the porch, sometimes with tears rolling down their eyes, but always with smiles on their faces to see the youth of the church taking time on a Sunday night to come and bring the hayride and the carols. To their house. It's like what the prophet is going to say in this text we read. Uh, it was like strengthening the weak hands and making firm the feeble knees and saying to those who were of a fearful heart, fear not, be strong. And, and that's what that night was about. And, and, and we'd all gather back at the church and, 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 and we'd be drinking hot chocolate and eating Christmas cookies and sharing the stories of, 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 about Miss Naomi and about uh, Mr. Jones and, and, and about a night of singing the joy. Today's prophecy from Isaiah tells us about the Messiah coming with singing. Chapters 1 through 34 in the the prophecy of Isaiah speak hard words to Judah and to Israel about the destruction and the exile that they're experiencing. And in chapter 35, the, the prophet is uplifting a God who is as thorough in his mercy as God has been in his judgment. And the chapter is this beautiful picture of the final kingdom in which God will establish justice and destroy evil, and all will sing for joy. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall bloom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beasts come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Music is very important to this sacred time. You know, in a few days we'll uh, probably be talking from Luke's gospel about uh, the angels that appeared to the shepherds on the hillside. And, and, and oftentimes we, we talk about how the shepherds came singing. Even, even uh, Wesley's famous hymn of uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing it is a little bit of, uh, of a stretch related to what the scripture actually says. The scripture actually says in Luke's gospel that suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, now, most of us, I certainly like singing better than saying, don't you? I mean, it's not just—it's not quite there to have the angels just appearing in heaven and saying, right? I mean, who wants the angels preaching when they could be singing, right? And Victor Hugo said, music attempts to express what cannot be said about something on which is it, it is impossible to remain silent. The famous preacher of another generation, C.H. Spurgeon, once said, I used to know an old Methodist. And the first thing in the morning, the Methodist, when he got up, he began singing a bit of a Methodist hymn. And if I met the old man during the day, he was always singing. I have met him in his little workshop with his lapstone on his knee. And he was always singing and beating his little hammer. When I said to him once, why do you always sing, dear brother? He replied, because I always have something to sing about. You know, friends, this passage That we've read today about a people in the midst of exile where they have lost literally everything, including their homeland. And yet Isaiah is saying there's always something to sing about. There's a hope that God is promising for us that we can sing about. And I ask us today as we come here in the midst of this worship service, however we come, don't don't we realize that even in the worst of times that God can give us by God's grace that glimpse of that hope that we can sing about? What do you have that you're singing about today? You know, uh, a... a few days ago, I was looking through some files and I found an old letter. A letter that I'd, I'd written uh, in, eight, in 19, not 18, 1985. <laughs> I'm not that old. And um, I think Tammy would agree with me, 1985 Christmas was one of the great Christmases ever. I don't know if she'd agree with me or not. But we were in our first appointment at First United Methodist Church in Henderson, Texas. And um, it it was Christmas time. And Tammy was a little bit like Mary of old in that she was great with child. Do you get it? We'd been married five years and finally uh, we were expecting our first child. And we didn't know if the baby was going to be a a boy or a girl. You know, we were kind of old school with the first one, and we just wanted to be surprised. And so around Christmas time, I wrote a letter, and I found that letter this week that was addressed to Dear Alex or Zachary. If it was to be a little girl, we decided we'd name her Alexandra, call her Alex, if it was going to be a little boy, we were going to name him Zachary and call him Zach. Do you want me to read you this letter? I thought you might. (laughs) Dear Alex or Zachary, waiting for your arrival is becoming a more precious experience with each passing day. I'm noticing that anticipation in your mother's eyes and though she tries in her own way to subdue some of her elation and present herself as the calm and collected woman that she is, I can tell you that she's about to burst with joy. Your mother's quite a woman, and I can't wait for you two to meet. Today I met your mother at Mother Francis Hospital for childbirth classes. Do they still have those? I drove from Dallas in my old 1952 Ford pickup truck. I'd flown out of Dallas to Lubbock the last two days recruiting for St. Paul School of Theology. Your mother drove from Henderson after teaching all day, going to the doctor, and visiting your grandmother Barnes. That's the way our days are around here. A bit harried and hectic sometimes. You'll change some of that, hopefully, and you'll just adjust as quickly as you can and roll with the flow. The potential of your being is beginning to sink in on us. Tonight in class, while we were practicing our breathing, I was imagining your birth and dreaming of life. What it is, what it will be, and what could be as often as I do. I can't wait to share my dreams with you and to hear you share your dreams. I hope more than anything else that you will be born and grow to be a compassionate person who loves God and God's justice and all of the children of the world your father who loves you already, Dad. Well, he was born a Zachary into the world. And when we named him Zachary uh, because I was a John Denver freak. And John Denver had a song called A Baby Just Like You. And John Denver named his baby boy Zachary. And so Zachary it was. And Tammy, she concurred. But I want to thank you, Lovers Lane, because we couldn't have fulfilled the dream I stated in the letter without you. For you were who taught our son to be a compassionate person. You helped teach our kids to love God and God's justice and all the children of the world. What a gift you've given us. And so many, to be a church that can bring about the dreams of of God's hopes for the world. Can bring those hopes about in such a way that you just have to sing for joy. A second and final thing I want to say this morning of of what singing does for us. It draws us closer together as Christ's family. In my mind, I can see the band of refugees that Isaiah is talking about. They're returning to their homeland just as Isaiah had told them they would. And, And they're singing as they're traveling together. I love to be part of a congregation that's singing, singing the great hymns of the church, and, and it's best when, when the singing's done with smiles on uh, on your faces. Now I know that maybe it's more proper to sing with your 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 mouth in other uh, conf, uh, you know other ways, but I, I like them when they're smiling because it underscores that joy that is our our singing. You know, this past week, we had several deaths in our fellowship here at Lover's Lane. In fact, 24-7, our Sunday school class, 24-7, lost two of its members and we had their memorial service, Robert Frank's and Ursula Harris's right here in the sanctuary. And, And Though their deaths were sudden and You know, sudden death always catches loved ones off guard. And and yet those services were so uplifting, planned by the families. They were full of joy and full of thanksgiving. At Ursula's service, Hall, who has taught New Testament at Dallas Theological Seminary for 41 years, their daughter sang Rebecca sang and played a guitar and was joined there by a young man who sang this duet two different duets with her and it was beautiful it was music and with every note and every word we were taken to a place of joy and thanksgiving at a memorial service And then Ursula and Hall's son, Mark, came to this pulpit and he shared one of the most beautiful testimonies I have ever heard in my life about his mother. And at one point in that testimony, he said what we've heard Ursula and and Hall share in worship, Um, and he shared about how he came out as a young man in And and told his parents that he was gay. And then he said, my parents assured me so of their undying love and acceptance of me. That I'll never be able to repay them. And then he started talking about how happy he was that his parents found this church five years ago. And how affirming and accepting this church was of them and and, and how they were such a part of this church's larger mission of affirmation and acceptance of people. And how they were here every time the door opened because they loved the mission of this church, loving all people into relationship with Jesus. And and, and he, he spoke to a crowd that was just packed in the sanctuary and most of the um, the professors of Dallas Theological Seminary were, were all out there too with, with, with Methodists and uh, members of the 24-7 Sunday school class and neighbors and members of their last church of another denomination. And, and we were all here in this place together and you could have heard a pin drop as he shared about his mother's unconditional love. And, and then after the service was concluding, we we sang a hymn together that the family had picked. And, And it's a hymn that sometimes is called the Methodist National Anthem. And can it be that I should gain... And I stood in this pulpit and I I, I surveyed my congregation. I knew that we were not all Wesleyans. There were plenty of Calvinists among us. I knew that we were coming from all different denominations and faith expressions and many different congregations here in Dallas. And I kind of made an apology. I said, now we're going to sing a, a Wesleyan hymn that many of you may not know. In fact, some Methodists don't know it very well. It's not... Really easy to sing, but fear not, Cheryl Sebo's is going to play through it, all the way through it, and I'm going to lead you. I doubt that brought much comfort. But I could see the congregation as they rose to their feet. I could see that anticipation as Cheryl played, and when they hit the first note of their singing, I've never heard a sanctuary of Methodists sing any better than that one did. I could tell it was not an an unfamiliar hymn to most people in the room. And how majestic the hymn is and how uh, proclamation was ringing forth with every note. It was amazing. And, And afterwards I told them so and and then we went into to watson hall we overflowed there for a time of reception and 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 let me tell you something they ate all the food you know they don't always eat all the food but you know they and we had a lot of food and they ate all the food because it was such a big crowd but not only that they didn't want to go they didn't want to leave We were hearing from one another, and uh, many of them said, You know, I've got Methodist roots, or, you know, when I was in India, I was a part of the Methodist church there. And, 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 and you know, we, we started talking together, and, and we, we came to find out we had so much more in common than we had that separated us. And there was such a spirit of joy. The people who were there would say it there was such a spirit of joy in, in that fellowship. And it rang true in the hymn that we had sung together. Because whether we're Wesleyans or Calvinists, whether we're uh, Methodist or Bible church folk or wh- whatever we are, there, there's, there's something about coming together at Advent and Christmas and singing the great hymns of the church and the great carols of our faith that we come to realize we have a whole lot in common as the Christian Family. Music. But in particular singing. Calls us together into one beautiful Christ family. Especially at Christmas. We sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Hark the herald angels sing. And, And what child is this? And it's as if the angels sing with us. When the Messiah comes, there will be singing, the Scripture says. And singing allows us to express our joy and our thanksgiving. Not of what is, but of what is to come by God's grace. Singing draws us together. Hear what Isaiah said one more time. They will enter Zion with singing. Singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. Friends, as Advent continues into Christian Christmas, let's sing the joy and thanksgiving of our faith. Amen.